of celebration, of remembrance, and just thinking about our dear friend, Ron Drew. It's really, really good to see you all. We've got family, we've got friends, we've got those Christians from this church and other churches, and we're very privileged today. We've got the Western Power Male Voice Choir as well. (laughs) So thank you, lads, for coming today. And I have to say, if the power goes off, there's nobody left. (laughs) They're all here, so it's wonderful. You're in a place that Ron loved to be in. He'd got three places, uh, earthly places that he loved. One was his chapel here, one was his home, and the other was, well, actually, has anybody wondered about these little presents that you've got on your seat? These are to take home, by the way. They're not just reserved. It's a daffodil bulb. And uh, has anybody been to a service before where there was a daffodil bulb on the seat? Ron was different. (laughs) Two days before his death, Ron disappeared. Jill went out. I'll see you shortly. Okay. See you in a bit when she got back. No Ron, no car. He was one poorly man. So he turned up and he came with some cock and bull story. He had to go and check this and check that. And it was only on uh, during the night before he died that he, he whispered uh, to Nicky, uh, don't tell mum, don't tell mum, uh, but in the boot, look in the boot. Well, of course, in the sadness uh, of, of Ron's passing, uh, it got forgotten about. And then during the afternoon, Nicky said, mum, have you got dad's keys? Let's have a look in the boot. And what was there? 10,000 daffodil bulbs. <laughs> Well, it might not be 10,000, but it's literally two great big sacks of daffodil bulbs. Uh, and he'd left no instructions, no nothing. And the family thought, well, what a wonderful tribute. So you each take a daffodil bulb, you plant it, and you watch it grow. And uh, you think about, about dear Ron. So that's your little going home present um, today. It's wonderful. But it is good to see you. This morning, we had a very private internment with just the immediate family. But now we're here, we are giving thanks, and we are celebrating. Now, it's a very good chapel, this. It's very sound. Vic looks after it. The roof is very good, so don't be frightened of raising your voice in song. But first of all, uh, would you just bow your heads as we uh, bring this service to the Lord in prayer? Our Father God, Almighty God, we thank you for the life of Ron and for all that he meant to each of us. Those things in his life which gave each of us a glimpse of your goodness and your love. We especially thank you for that love, for his kindness, for his courage, for his helpfulness, for his encouragement, and for your goodness to Ron over these many years. Dear Lord, please help us to see through his death, his death, let us see more deeply the love that you show us through Christ, and that death is stronger than death itself it is an endless death we thank you for the friendship that ron gave the love he offered and received whilst with us on earth and therefore we pray today that nothing good from this dear man's life will be lost we pray that those who were close to ron during his life may even now in his death be closer to one another gracious lord we thank you for the promise of your holy word that you have through your precious son jesus Prepared a place for those who love you, that all pain, all fear, all suffering, all tears 
For those in your presence will have disappeared. That in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And for these we give thanks. Almighty God, Father of all mercy and giver of all comfort, deal graciously this day with those who mourn. We pray that they may know in their hearts the consolation of your love. O oh Lord, be their support, their strength, their shield in trusting you that they will be delivered from their distress. We especially thank you for Jill and the family, and we commend them to you this day, those who would remember the loss of dear Ron the most. We pray that your peace will be very real and your comfort sufficient. All these things we pray in the Saviour's name. Amen. Thank you. Well, we were going to begin with our first hymn, uh, it's a wonderful hymn, and it's a hymn that actually Ron could have written himself. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And the thing is that Ron is actually receiving now that which the Christian believes in by faith. How wonderful. So if you're able to stand, stand. If not, it doesn't matter, just remain seated. But let's stand if you can and sing this wonderful hymn.
in a word, that was absolutely wonderful. That's a few words. That was absolutely wonderful. You're all in good voice. If anyone feels too hot, just ask someone, please open a window or the door or something. Yeah. Um, we're going to have our reading now. The reading is on the sheets, but Richard is going to bring us uh, our reading for today from John uh, chapter 14, verse 1 to 6. Thank you, Richard. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you, Richard. The wonderful words there, very, very precious words, the words, the recorded words of Jesus. I had an encounter one day with a, a Hare Krishna. I didn't know he was Hare Krishna because he was in plain clothes. But we, we, had a, we had a little discussion in, on the market once, and, and I just pointed that verse out to him. And he said, you Christians, you're so arrogant. And I said, well, you couldn't be afford to be when you're right. But he didn't like, he didn't like that at all. Anyway, praise the Lord. Okay. Um, so many times when taking a service like this, the family will uh, pass you little notes, little thoughts, a little personal tribute. But I think it's so wonderful that the family, uh, Ron's family, have put together some thoughts. Uh, Jonathan is going to bring these thoughts together. Uh, thoughts from the family, tributes from the heart to the wonderful dad and granddad. Thank you, Jonathan. Good afternoon. Um, so good to um, see you all here. Um, I've been on this platform many, many times, and I think this is one of the hardest things I've um, ever had to do. But dad would be so amazed to see so many of you here. Um, there's many faces I don't know, but... It just um, thank you from the family that you are all here um, supporting um, today. And um, obviously, Mum would, would, would very much like, all of us would like to thank you for your, your cards, your messages, your, um, your sympathy of love. And it's just been so amazing over the past couple of weeks to, to know that and to know God's peace at this time. And we've certainly felt um, your prayers over the, over the past um, few weeks. So just, just really you know, thank you for that. And I just want to say a few things just about Dad. I'm sure some of these things will, will come to memory um, as I go through them about his character. And three things. I'm, I'm not doing a sermon. Um, Gemma did say to me, he said, you haven't got the whole hour, you know. So I am trying to cut it, cut it short. But just three things about his character, about his knowledge, and about his, his faith. Um, and certainly... I remember when, when growing up, Dad always used to come in and, and watch Tom and Jerry with me. And um, it really sort of comes back to my memory all the time. And Dad was like that. He was, he was that, that was sort, sort of character. He'd love to, to joke around, to do things. But he really liked to, to watch Tom and Jerry. So I just remember that. And um, I'm probably going to put Dad into it now, but certainly with his work colleagues. But um, we all sort of went to work with Dad. And one day um, I was probably very young, um, and uh, I remember sitting on my dad's lap and uh, driving the lorry, you know, steering the lorry up the field. And I'm sure at that time he probably wasn't allowed to do that. 
um, and certainly probably wasn't allowed and isn't allowed to do it now. But um, it was good fun when you're sort of uh, about seven year old. So, um, but Dad certainly loved to be out. That was you know his job you know was with Western Power. But he he loved to be out and about. You know, in the countryside today would have been a day that he would have absolutely loved. And it's been a difficult day, um, but certainly a day that we felt. You know, this was a day that Dad would have said, it is absolutely beautiful today. And he would have loved to have been out, possibly on the water. Um, there was no wind today, no wind, um, hardly very much. So he would have loved to have been windsurfing, or I'm sort of sure um, many of you remember him sort of sailing and windsurfing. And certainly as a, as a family, you know, we grew up um, on the beach, really, didn't we? And um, you know, every, every day in the summer holidays would be on the beach, um, Dad would come down after work, get, get his windsurfer out, and we were you know, down there till the, till the sun went down. But you know, it's just, just um, good memories. Um, I remember one time, um, some people can probably remember um, here, we went kayaking to the um, Somerset Levels. I think Tom can remember this one. Um, and um, Dad always used to have his phone, phone in his pocket. And um, we were, it was quite tricky to get in, into, the, into the water. And um, he, he had a gentle push in, and he... As soon as he went in, he, the, the boat went over, straight in, you know, everything wet, phone gone. So, um, but that was something someone that, that, that was like. But, but really, sort of bit about this bit, he was a very calm character. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. He was always calm in the way he said things, the way he did things. And uh, I remember um, learning to do um, a hill start, and there's certainly a lot of hills around here, but Dad took me to, the mo- to the, one of the steepest hills in Torbay, and the more and more calm he would be, the more and more annoyed I would get. <laughs> and so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do this hill start, and every time I rolled back, he'd just pull the handbrake up and say, try again. And you know, that was what he was like. It was, he was just calm and like really encouraging, but you know, just try again. And I was getting really annoyed at this time. So, but I did, I did manage to do a hill start. Um, another second thing about Dad was his practical knowledge. He, you, you'd ask Dad how, how you'd do something, and he would, he would know instantly how to do it. And... And I'm sure many of you have seen, seen Dad's garage. He would have the tool to do it. Um, and even when Dad wasn't very well, you'd ask, you know, you'd ask something, you know, where's this tool or something? And he'd say, oh, that's the third filing cabinet along the second drawer down, and you'll, you'll find it in there. So we've got quite a lot of hunting to do, I think. Um, but, yeah, you certainly know how to do it. But the one thing is that he... Um, was always willing to help, always willing to, to go the extra mile. Um, he would go out of, out of his way for anybody, to help anybody. I think he was probably reluctant to ask for help himself, and he would just get on with it. Um, I remember when Dad wasn't very well, and we were moving the um, moving his sailing boat, and um, it was getting dark, so we, we put the sailing boat on the um, on the driveway, and uh, I said to Dad, I'll come back the next day, and we'll, you know, because Dad wanted to sort of jack it up and so the wheels didn't perish on the, on, the, um, on the tarmac. And so I rang Dad the next day and said, I'll, you know, I'll come round. He said, I've done it. <laughs> I've, um, I've jacked it up. It's all on, on stones. And um, so he was just keen to, to, to get on with things. But he was certainly very, um, very servant-hearted. And the last thing, probably the most um, important thing, was his faith. He had a, a, a deep Christian faith. He, he, knowed his, he, he knew his Lord and, and, and loved his Lord very much. And... Uh, when he became a Christian, um, I don't know how old he was, Mum. I don't know, but hmm? in his teens, yeah. So he was he was young, but became a Christian, a boys' brigade, and um, certainly certainly the song that we're not going to sing today. But oh, happy day that fixed my choice, and that was a, a happy day for Dad.
that changed his life. In that, song, in that song also it says, I am my Lord's and he is mine. And that's certainly what dad could say, that he was his Lord's. So he was a very quiet person. He would uh, never get up on the stage and, and, and do this and speak to this many people. But he would speak to anybody. And we were talking about this earlier, that you know, when we were growing up, we used to say to dad, oh, you know, who, do, do you know that person? I, and, no, I, I was just, just um, having, a, having a natter. And he, even you know, most recently, he was, he was standing in the queue and, and talked to somebody for, for a long time. So he was really confident in talking to people maybe one-to-one. But dad you know, would share his faith at every opportunity. Um, and even in his illness, he, he went into the hospital and took in a New Testament Gideon, New Testament Bible, um, to, to one of the people that he got to, got to know in the hospital ward. And Stab would go out of his way to, to, to share that he, how he loved his Lord and Saviour. Um, just to finish, so, um, a recent letter that, just, that I, I, I received recently um, really sums up um, Dad. Um, and it was three things. It's a, he had a friendly face, a caring personality, and a big smile. And I'm sure that's something we will remember um, with Dad for, for, for a long time. Um, Derek's mentioned the daffodil bulbs. And this, even in the, on the day that, that Dad died, this brought... We laughed, didn't we? You know, we laughed because you know, this was something that Dad would do. He would buy lots of things. But to have... Thousands of, of daffodil bulbs really, really did make us laugh. And we were sort of looking through the cupboards at the same time, and uh, we found, um, was, it, was it, yeah, four boxes? Or f- yeah, I think, I think there was four or five boxes of 72 Weetabixes. <laughs> it's just, yeah, you know, and Gemma, Gemma worked it out, and I think if Mum had, had two Weetabixes every day, it would take her to the middle of February to eat them all, so... You know, so we just used to buy lots of things. But, yeah, please um, take the daffodil bulbs home. They brought us joy, um, and I'm sure they'll bring you joy as you uh, plant them and, we'll, you know, we'll see the beautiful colours, but just as you remember, um, Dad. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Jonathan. Yes, that's a very, very special man. Um, Tony Woodward, Tony, you're going to bring us uh, your personal tribute from your section. Thank you. Well, I'd like to uh, say thank you to uh, Gillian and the family for simply being here this afternoon and being able to speak as to how much Ron has meant in our lives. Unfortunately, Jonathan stole my plunder. He had three thoughts, and so did I. And as all good sermons have three points, and had Ron been here, he would have said, Amen, brother. Three points, but it's enough. There's the family. There's friends and employees. And there's brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. First of all, Ron was a very devoted and faithful husband and father and grandfather. You know, faithfulness is in short supply these days. But Ron never failed. I can go back 50 years. I'm Gillian's cousin and my sister Jennifer here, we're here, 
to represent part of the family who can't come, members of the family in Canada and the north of England. And I went 50 years ago. There was a bright, young, lovely bride living in Salcombe in Alan Hayes Road who had to go only a few blocks down the road to the Methodist church to get married to Ron. It's 50 years in March when Gillian and Ron were married. But I'll let you into a family secret. Gillian's mother was called Edith. And Edith was determined that her daughter was going to have the best possible husband that she could get for him. Now, Edith was not to be trifled with. You, you were not to try and persuade her otherwise. But you know the end of the story. That in March, 50 years ago, Ron married Gillian. And Gillian did get the best husband possible. And the family can testify to that. Mark and Tracy, Nikki and her girls, and Jacob, Jonathan and Gemma, can all say what a devoted and faithful father he was. But the other thing about Ron was that he was entirely dependable. He was utterly reliable. I know from conversations we've had with him on the phone and our visits down here, there was many a dark, damp winter's night when Ron would turn out with his crews from Western Power in some remote village in Devon because he wanted to be there and to support them and to do what he should. Ron would never let you down. And only this morning as we were coming out and uh, <coughs> Jonathan was beginning to load the dishwasher, it reminded me that whenever you had one of Gillian's wonderful lunches, if you were privileged to have one of Gillian's wonderful lunches and you were, got to the end of it and you had your cup of coffee and your mints, Ron was there loading the dishwasher. He was reliable to the end. But perhaps the most important characteristic of Ron is that he had an unswerving love for the Lord and for the Word of God. We would visit him from time to time. And you know, we hadn't been in the house very long and he would say, have you read this book? Have you heard this tape? Have you heard this preacher? Do you know what's going on? It wasn't about what had happened at Plymouth Argyle or what was happening in the cricket or the rugby scores. His desire was always that he might speak of his Lord. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church in Rome. And he hadn't got very far into this letter and he said this. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God 
unto salvation. And Ron experienced and knew the living Lord Jesus. But what about the somber side of Ron? Do you think there's a somber side to Ron? (laughs) He set the sartorial standard for Great Parks Chapel, isn't that right? And we are here today, not with black ties and black dresses. We are here to celebrate a dear, dear family member, a good employee, and a dear brother in Christ. Ron, we shall miss him. When I was uh, speaking with Ron recently, and, and I said, you know, Ron, we've never fell out, you and me. And he said, no, no, we haven't. But we never agreed on socks. <laughs> my Jackie will tell you, I'm plain black or plain blue. End of. <laughs> so, there you are. Uh, some of you I know of, uh, from Western Power and different places, you've travelled down from, from Plymouth. Well, in the 1700s, uh, a young man who'd been brought up in a Christian home, uh, he'd been uh, on a ship, it landed, uh, it docked, it didn't land, it, it docked in Plymouth, and uh, he ran, he ran away. Uh, he ran up uh, all the way up the back streets through Modbury, back lanes, uh, until he got uh, to Morley, and he was caught. Is that, uh, do you know the story? <laughs> Thanks, Gideon. <laughs> and uh, he was caught, and he was, he was on his way to Dartmouth. He got caught, and he got taken back, and he was badly punished. Uh, and the man's name uh, was John Newton. Uh, he got on this ship, and he was a most evil man. He tried to destroy the faith of any... If he knew somebody was a Christian, he would make a beeline for them, and he would persecute them terribly. And then one night, he's, he's on this... Uh, have you trained him for this, Gemma? Or what? Uh, he's, he's on this ship. They're out in the midst of the sea, and there's a tremendous storm. And he thinks, that's it. And he cries out to God. You know, I, I either die or you save me. And uh, the Lord saved him. He, he gave him that wonderful confidence uh, and he was born again. And uh, he went on to live the life as an active Christian. And uh, many of you may not know John Newton, but you'll know the hymn we're going to sing next, Amazing Grace. And that's, what, that's John's story, John Newton's story. Amazing Grace. He didn't deserve to be saved. He deserved to go to hell. But God saved him. Amazing grace. This is a little bit different, this one. It's got a little extra few lines, a few verses in. But follow the crowds. You'll be okay. Amazing grace. Thank you.
What a wonderful, wonderful song. <clears throat> someone could say, if someone would have said to Ron, Ron, when you die, where are you going to go? And he, he would say, well, my place is already reserved in heaven. I know that. And sometimes people are just sort of unsure. They say, well, yeah, well, I, I hope so. I hope, I hope I will. I just want to read just a, a few verses. It's called The Christian's Confidence. It's not boasting. It's called The Christian's Confidence. When I'm gone, remember that I'm with Jesus. Then do not mourn because I've passed away. Life holds so many griefs and disappointments. And will you cry because I did not stay? It is only for a spell that we must be parted. Not many years on earth to us are given. And when my Saviour tells me that you are coming, I'll go with him to welcome you to be with me in heaven. Grieve not because the eyes that looked upon you shall not see your face on earth again. Rejoice because they now look upon the Saviour. Rejoice. For the one who gave his life to ransom sinful men. Weep not because I no longer walk with you. Remember, I am now walking the streets paved with gold. Weep for yourselves. That you may for a while must tarry. Before the blessed Lord you may behold. Oh say he has arrived. And not he's passed away. And think of him now as his eternal day. Arrived to see his face, arrive to see him smile, arrive to greet again those he had lost for a while, arrived no more to tread the path where saints have trod, arrived in perfect peace through faith in Jesus' blood. The Christian's confidence. It was 1984, it was September. I'd only been a Christian a couple of months myself, and I was going to a little gospel hall, a chapel up in Lancashire, in Bury in Lancashire, and uh, I was there one Sunday morning, and uh, uh, my, the man who would be eventually my brother-in-law, Brian, he said, Derek, come on, I want to introduce you to my cousin and the family. Uh, this is uh, Jill. Oh, hello, Jill. And this is Ron. Hello, Ron. Good to see you. And this is jo Jonathan was about this big, I think, at this time. And uh, 1984. And, uh, and we had a little chat, a little catch-up. Uh, and I do remember Ron saying, oh, I hope to see you again anyway. And, uh, well, it was actually, it was 10 years. There was a 10-year gap. And we came down on holiday to Brixham uh, with Brian. And uh, he said, Jill's um, uh, arranged for us to have uh, Sunday, Sunday lunch. And if you've had Sunday lunch at Jill's, you know what Sunday lunch is. So we went and we had a wonderful time and we were made so welcome and we saw them at different time on the holidays and then we, we came again uh, the two years, uh, sorry, the following year and uh, we, we became very close. And then when we moved to Devon in 2000, it just really cemented our relationship. And, and Jackie and I, were just embraced into the family, to the weddings and all the other things that went on and it was just quite wonderful. I thank God for that man. And uh, I'm not ashamed to say that I've shed many tears uh, since that uh, Friday. 
I loved that man. He was my best mate. And uh, I'm two best mates down, three best mates down now, so I'm going to have to put an advert in. Mate wanted. <laughs> mate wanted. Are you in good health? <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Justin. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, sometimes we thank God for this. We, we, you know, we thank God for our food. We thank God for so many things. And I don't think we thank God for our friends enough, you know, the people who he brings into your life. Uh, and uh, a wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, a truly dear, dear friend uh, to Jackie and, and to myself. And to many of you here. It's obvious, isn't it, you know, that you're here uh, in paying your respects and remembering this dear man. We had a few nicknames for him. Uh, Rocket, Ron, Rocket Ronnie at one, because he was a dasher. You know, he, he would say to you, Ron, would you mind giving me a lift with this? Yeah, right, come on, let's get... Oh, no, not now. Well, come on, have you got the stuff? Right, well, and that was it, dash, dash, dash. And uh, last year we gave him a new nickname. We called him Spider-Man, because he, he, he was Jackie's best friend. He eradicated every spider from this uh, chalet that we were staying up in the Lake District. He went round, killed... I think you saw one of the pictures where he, he went round every single... Eradicated. There wasn't a spider in the Lake District, I don't think, by the time he'd finished. Dear Spider-Man. But yes, I loved that man. I loved his faith. He had a, a real concern, uh, the way that things were happening in the world. But he had a love for the Lord and for his people. Now, at this point, I just want to mention that just hiding on the table at the back behind our friends there, there's a, a box. And if you feel impressed to, to make a contribution, a donation, to two charities that are very, very dear to, to the Drew family, particularly to Ron. Uh, one is for the uh, St. Luke's, not St. Luke's Hospice, that's Plymouth, sorry, Rowcroft Hospice. Uh, the team there at the end of dear Ron's life were just, in a word, amazing. And if through Ron's life, if we can help somebody else through your contributions, whatever that might be, then praise the Lord for that. The other thing is on his heart was God's word. He loved God's word. Uh, and he was passionate to get God's word out. The Gideon Testaments, the Gideon Bibles, to get it out. So whatever is given will be split uh, between the two. If you're, if you're not able to give today, then please, uh, if you look on the order of service, you'll see that you could make that contribution direct through the funeral directors. But please dig deep. Please, you know, just say, hang on. We're not giving flowers. What we're doing is we're helping somebody else, either spiritually or physically, uh, along that journey. Now, I'm sure that every single one of us here could stand up uh, and give a contribution, a testimony uh, to dear Ron's life. But sadly, we haven't got time. Uh, what I would like to do, uh, we have... Uh, our own, our very, does anybody remember Annika Rice? I'm not on my own then. <laughs> We've got our very own Annika Rice with a roving mic. Chloe is going to sort of come round and she's, if anybody wants to just share a, seriously a few words, a little word of testimony, then Chloe's the person to do it. But first of all, um, in this church we meet Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, and they have uh, growth groups, house groups, meeting different groups. And the group that uh, Jill and Ron were attached to, uh, obviously they got particularly close over the years. And Jenny, who's just in front of you, Chloe. There. 
Jenny is going to uh, share on behalf of the growth group a little tribute there. Everybody, it's just so lovely to see you all today. So many lovely faces, and to celebrate Ron's life here. Alwyn, Ron's house group leader, is unable to be with us today because he's having an eye operation this very afternoon. So, on his behalf, I will read a short message that he wrote, though he would have dearly loved to have been able to read it himself. So, both and and Orwin, his wife, are sorry that they were unable to be here today. So a tribute to Ron, his brother, dear brother Ron Drew. Ron was a valued member of the growth group. For several years, he brought wealth to Christian experiences of life to the group, really well versed in the scriptures. He was able to offer many salient points in times of discussion and would recount many of his experience from working with the electricity company where he sought to lead others to the Lord Jesus by both conversation and example. It is good to be able to celebrate his promotion to the glorious presence of our Lord. But like so many here, we shall sadly miss his presence with us. Orin wrote this on behalf of his house group members. From Jill, his wife, Margaret, Julie, Cindy, Tony, and Jenny, myself. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. So, you've got a few minutes. Anybody would like to say? Maybe one of his colleagues from Western Powers, anybody just like to say a few words? Don't, please don't feel under any pressure whatsoever. Your presence here speaks volumes. Good to see you, lads. But if anybody would want to share a little word anywhere along the line. Come on, don't make Chloe redundant. <laughs> But please, as we, uh, as we meet later uh, at the Palace Hotel uh, down in Paynton, uh, maybe share your personal reflections with Jill and the family. I'm sure they would be encouraged. So, Pete, yes. Thank you, Pete. Yeah, just wanted to say uh, I got a call from Ron just uh, a week before he died, uh, just asking how we were. And that was just a, another wonderful indication of what Jonathan was saying. He just was just such a very kind-hearted man because of his relationship with Jesus Christ, concerned for others in, in his uh, suffering. So thank you. Yes, thank you. So, all right. Are we okay there? Yes. All right. When, uh, when Ron took me on one side and uh, he knew that it was really a matter of uh, weeks and he said, it's, uh, it's time we thought things sorted, Derek, he said, uh, Got this few service sorted and things. And I said, uh, what about hymns? And he said, well, I've got one hymn that I want five times. <laughs> I said, Ron, I, th- I know it's your favourite. <laughs> uh, uh, the next song we're going to sing is called um, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. It, to me and to the family, it was, it was Ron's hymn because he, 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 he knew himself how deep, how wide, how high 
that love was. He knew that, and, and until you experience that love yourself, it doesn't really make much sense. But this was Ron's hymn. So let's stand and do tribute as we sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us. <laughs> I'd like to introduce uh, to you who don't know John. John Wilkes uh, was the first pastor here uh, in the mid-90s. Uh, and you had a special relationship with Ron. I know that. Um, and it's just so good that you're here today, John, to share God's word with us. So the Lord bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray for a moment again. 
Almighty God, thank you. Thank you for Ron Drew. Thank you, God, that you reached into his life, adopted him as one of your children. Thank you that for many of us in this room, we can say how much we loved our brother. And we want to pray, Lord, that you will speak to us in these moments. Not my words, Lord, let your words be heard and cause each of us to make a response. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it says down here, message, John Wilkes. So I've a message from Ron Drew. I have the audacity to say that because I know the man, I love the man, I know who he loved and um, if, if you knew him, he would have loved you. And what he would love you to know is what made the difference in his life. What made him that kind of person? Because he wasn't born like that. Ron didn't talk much about his teenage years, but I know there was some unhappiness in, his early, in the early years of his life. But I know for sure that coming to know Jesus made a big difference. Sometimes at, at, at these events, we almost make a saint out of the person. So I want to tell you here and now, if you didn't know it already, Ron Drew was a sinner. Saved by the grace of God. That's why we sang that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So one of the songs that we sang, that we've just sung, verse 2, I, I've asked Kevin to put back up. He would want you to think about this. Look carefully. In your mind's eye now, he say, look, behold that man upon a cross. You know who I'm talking about. The Lord Jesus, with his arms outstretched. And Ron would say, my sin was on his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. Yeah, people were shouting, crucify him, get rid of him, get him out of my life, get him out of my hair. And maybe... Even some of us have said that about Ron. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. Go away, Ron. Go away. But Ron would say, it was my sin that held him there. Ron's sin. My sin. Jill's sin. It was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. Make no mistake about it. That was no accident, Ron would say. That was God achieving this amazing purpose of wanting to rescue ordinary people whose lives are messed up. His dying breath has brought me life. As the Lord Jesus died, he gave us a way into God's presence, a way into God's family, a way back to God, a way to start our lives all over again. So remember that, will you please? Ron Drew was a sinner. But also remember, I am a sinner. We are all at this point in time, with either sinners who are saved by grace or with sinners who one day will have to face up to the consequences of standing in rebellion against God. Well, I have preached here many times too. And I haven't got three points. Well, I've got three pictures. So I hope you recognize three pictures. I didn't take me long to think about this. Three pictures of Ron Drew 
three pictures of his life which have a message for us. He liked a car, didn't he? He liked a nice car and he liked a few gadgets too. I thought Gadget Man was his name. He liked things that were nice. But actually, I thought, actually, the car and a few other slides you've already seen on the boat, yeah? Ron Drew was a... Say it. Oh, you can read. Well done. Ron Drew was a travelling man, wasn't he? And he used to travel to work every day. I don't know how long it took it. No, I shouldn't ask that question in case there's any police in the room. But... Um, <laughs> You know, his travelling back and forth to work, all the little story about the bulbs, you left out the bit. He, he went all the way to Trago Mills to buy him. Travelling man. That was Ron Drew. And actually, the reading that you've got in your sheet there, if you cannot open it, on the left-hand side of your order of service, this is a kind of travelling story, really, because these words come almost at the end of the life of Jesus, talking to his disciples, his friends, and listen what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I'm in the wrong place. Sorry, carry on. Here we go. He says, My father's house has many rooms. I am going there to prepare a place for you. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Here's the Lord Jesus about to go on a journey, about to travel well. He's going to the cross. He's going to give up his life. He's going to be risen again and ascend back to heaven. And he's saying to all his friends, I am going there ahead of you and I want you to travel with me. That's why we can talk about the Christian's confidence. That's why we can dress in bright clothes, not just to shake off the gloom of a funeral, but because we know now Ron is living forever in the presence of Jesus. He's made that journey. And some of us in this room are getting closer and closer (laughs) to that destination, into the presence of Jesus. It's a wonderful thing. And that's how Jill is surviving. That's how many of us are surviving. Because we know Ron has entered the, he's, he, he's, he's continued the journey that he started as a teenager. Because the Bible says that eternal life is knowing you, knowing Jesus and the Father. So Ron received the gift of eternal life as a young teenager. And now he's continuing to live in God's presence forever. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. It's a traveling man. But you know, folks... All of us are travellers, aren't we? Here's a rub. Ron would want me to say this. He wouldn't want me to mess about. He would want you to know you're either travelling in the same direction as Ron drew into the presence of God or if you're still in rebellion against God you're travelling in the opposite direction. Away from the presence of God forever. The Bible has some horrible descriptions of that place. But I'll tell you, there is no joy there. There is. At this hand, pleasures forevermore. Here, there's the absence of everything that you and I know to be good and pleasant. You see some bad stuff happening in the world, don't you? Don't you sometimes hear the news and think, why has that happened? It's awful, it's evil. Mm. Well, let me tell you, multiply that a million times. And decide this afternoon, do you want to go in that direction? And 
you might say, well, you know, I'm, I don't really want to go that way. I'm just kind of, it's just the way I'm made. It's the way all of us are going. Well, that's true. But you know, because you've come into this place this afternoon, God will hold you accountable. You cannot say, I didn't know there was another way. There is a way to travel into the presence of God, to know his peace, to know his forgiveness. Ron Drew wasn't just a self-made man. He was a God-made man. He was a man who'd received the power of the Holy Spirit. And if, he, if you were a work colleague and he rubbed you up and said, let me tell you a bit more about Jesus, or why do you believe? Or, well, that was because this was so, so, so very important for him. He was a traveling man. I want to ask you, which way are you traveling? When Jesus hung on the cross, one of the thieves on the next cross to him, you always see those three crosses, don't you? One of those, one of those criminals said, Jesus, remember me. I'm getting the, what I deserve. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Ron was a traveling man. And I'm so, it's what keeps us going. Because we know we're going to meet Ron one day with all those others. Those of us who've trusted Jesus. Not because we're good, not because we're clever, but because we've simply received the gift of forgiveness. Acknowledged our sin, believed that Jesus died in our place. And we're traveling in that direction. So he was a traveling man. So what are we going to make of the, um, of the sailboard? I, uh, I did over here. He, he bought a, an, a boat, is that right? A bit of a challenge? Uh, well, I, I never saw Ron surfing, but you know, if you're a, if you're a, a sailor or a, surf, a wind surfer, you've got to trust there's going to be a wind, haven't you? You can't just stand there and think something's got to happen, and you've got to put it up in the right direction and wait for it. So, listen, Ron Drew was a trusting man. When he went out sailing, he was trusting there was going to be a wind that would take him in a direction. Yeah, he would harness that wind, but also it would take him to where he wanted to go. So this was the bit I read at the beginning. There it is in, on, your, on the words in front of you. This is from the Gospel of John. And uh, if you're one of Ron's colleagues and you've received one of those Gospels, little blue books, you'll find it in there. If you haven't got one, there are some on the, on the box, on the table near the back there. The Gospel of John, you can read the whole story of Jesus, find out where this fits into the whole story of Jesus. Those are gifts for you. You're very, very welcome to take them. Why? Ron believed these words when Jesus said, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. You see, for us to be going in that direction, it's not what can I do, but it's what has Jesus done. And will I receive that gift? Will I place my confidence, my faith in what Jesus has done, not what I can do? Christian faith summed up in three simple words. Done, not do. What Jesus has done, not what I can do. So this, this afternoon, it's, it's the most profound thing, and yet it's the simplest thing ever to say, well, like Ron Drew, I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to trust that what he did on the cross was for me. I want to trust that he would give me the gift of forgiveness and new life. And maybe in the... Um, in the next bit where we're standing around with cups of tea and talking to strangers, we might say to somebody, look, do you understand what that was all about? Have you ever trusted Jesus? 
And let somebody else tell you, not just me, other people in this room who knew Ron, who loved Ron, who loved the same saviour as him. Ron, as a teenager, put his trust in Jesus and all through his life, he put his trust in Jesus. And we continue to follow in his footsteps, those of us who knew him and loved him. So what are we going to make of the, um, of the last picture? I struggled with this one a bit. I wanted another tea. And I could think, because this is the whole idea of keeping people connected, isn't it? Is that your work, guys? Yeah, keep people connected. Well, okay, close, another tea. How's that? <laughs> well, I do. Ron Drew was a man who, in his work in life, liked to keep people connected. Get them together. Hey, the Lord Jesus said this, no one comes to the Father except through me. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was the great connector. He came from the Father's side, from heaven's splendor into this sinful world, lived in this awful world, went to the cross so that you and I could reconnect with God. So we could be, once again, God's children, part of his family, live with him eternally. The Lord Jesus was the person whose greatest concern was that you and I should be together with Ron one day, together with Jesus one day, be connected with him, not just pie in the sky when you die, but meat on the plate while you wait. Something to enjoy. It's a great privilege to know your sins are forgiven. To know that heaven is your prospect. To know you have brothers and sisters who love you and part of God's family. Ron was somebody who wanted people to come together. And do you know what? I do believe... I do believe Ron would be absolutely thrilled... If he knew that one person in this room understood this message, the message not from me but from the Word of God, made that connection. It's so simple. It's so simple. It involves a short prayer of commitment saying, Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, I believe you died for me. Jesus, I want you to control my life. Come and be my saviour. We've sung about that, haven't we? We sung from our first song. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. mine. If you didn't catch it that time, catch it again. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. mine. See, some of us sung that and we knew that he's mine. But not everybody in this room. So if you haven't made that connection yet, then maybe when you leave this place, again, think about picking up this gospel because at the back there, there's some little helps to how you can make that commitment to Jesus. But Ron was connected to Jesus and he wants us to know that connection with Jesus. While, when you take this order of service home, have a little play with it. Get out your pen and mark how many times on that little passage Jesus says, you, 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 you. He's talking to the disciples. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Okay? Count, and then count how many times he says, me, I, 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 I. Why? Because the Lord Jesus was the one who wants to bring us together with him into the presence of God forever and ever. 
And in this passage too, you'll see that amazing, I almost use the word ridiculous, a staggering claim that Jesus made. He said, I am the way. The way, not a way. See, it's not, it's not Christians or churches that have been arrogant. It's the Son of God. It's Jesus. And he was either the Lord or he was a lunatic. He said, I am the way. Come with me on that journey. I am the truth. Go back to the history. Believe in the truth of the events of the first Easter. The birth of Jesus, the life, the death of Jesus. This man in history, he says, I am the truth. Stop searching. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here and now, or maybe on your own at some other point, you can make that connection and know what it is to be, like Ron, a together person who is in a living relationship with Almighty God. through the work of Jesus on the cross. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came into this world. You lived as a man, and yet you died that awful death as the innocent one, taking the blame, the punishment that we deserved. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross. And I pray, Lord, that each of us in this room, either for the first time or for a recommitment, would say, Lord Jesus, I want to be connected. I want to be together with the Father and the people of God. I want to put my trust in what Jesus has done and I want to travel to that eternal destination. Oh Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Please continue to speak to us. Open our eyes. Open our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, John. You just reminded me, John, when 2,000 years ago, no, you weren't there, 2,000 years ago, when the Apostle Paul was uh, preaching in Athens, and at the end, he shared a message like John, and at the end, we said, there was three responses. Some said, what a load of rubbish. Some said, hang on, hang on, there might be some truth there. And then there's just a few believed. That's it. Now, around this time of year, you, you, there's an epidemic starts spreading, and we call it carolitis. Because you get carolitis, you go in the supermarkets, you go in everywhere, you get carolitis. And by the, by the end of December, you've really had enough. Carols, carols, carols. But after Christmas, soon comes Easter. And there's a, a hymn that we're going to finish with today. And it's usually reserved for Easter. Uh, It's a wonderful, wonderful hymn, but I I believe it's a hymn for for every day. Uh, And you've done very, very well uh, with your three hymns so far. Let's just raise the roof with our last one, which is Thine be the glory.
risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory. Thou or death has come. Thank you. and every one of you for being here today safe journey if you're either go if you have to go home uh you lads need to get the lights back on or whatever you know uh if, if you're traveling home or if you're coming down if you're traveling down to the palace the palace hotel down on the um esplanade at painton it'd be lovely to see you there please take home your daffodil bulb <laughs> tell people about ron's daffodil and fancy forgetting about trago Hey. Oh, I saved it for you, John. Never mind. Uh, take home your daffodil. Take home the order of service. And like John said, have a read through. Keep Ron's picture and his message in your mind. And take home something maybe that you've learned from today. Can I remind you, please, once again about the, the, um, the gift box at the back? 
don't embarrass anybody, but if you would like to make a difference to somebody else's life, then please, the opportunity is there with that box today, or, like I said, direct to the funeral directors. Let me just, let's just bow in prayer, and then we'll can say the grace. To each and every one of you here today, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give each of you and the families you represent this day his peace. Go in that peace and serve the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with you all evermore. Amen. Amen. God bless.